0: the yeshiva.net. learn together Arashi. Arashi in this week's Parsha, Parsha's told us, the Pasik says, the first source in your source sheets. This is told us, our weekly Parsha, Vayigdalu The children grew up, Rivka and Yitzchak have twins, Esav and Yaakov. Asav is the oldest, Yaakov is the youngest. They grow up, Vayhi, this is a brief and concise description of the two boys. Esav is a man who knows how to hunt, he knows how to trap, he's a man of the field. Yaakov is a, tam, is a wholesome person, a dweller of the tents. Says Rashi, He knows how to hunt, he knows how to trap. You might think it means literally... He was a great hunter, a man of the field. It says, Rashi Ye'deyat actually is a hint to something. It's a parable. Lotsu Doloramis is aviv Befiv. He knows how to hunt, how to trap, how to deceive, how to slyly deceive his father through his mouth. Later, the Pusik would of course say that Yitzchak loves Yaakov, kitsayid Befiv because he brings him the hunt into his mouth. So either it means literally he would hunt and feed him, or B'fiv, as Rashi says here, he knows how to trap him with his mouth. How does he deceive his father with his mouth? V'shoi he asks him, Abba, Tate, Father, he'eich ma'asrin es amelech ve'sateve. How does one give ma'asr, how does one tithe salt and straw? Kisavur Aviv, his father thinks, shumadaktik b'mitzvahs. He's extremely meticulous in mitzvahs. What is the meaning of this Rashi, which has its source in Madrash? So everybody knows there's a Mishnah, the next source, Masekta Maisras, the first Mishnah of Maseches is Klal Klal Amru B'Maistress. The rabbis established the halachic principle when it comes to Maistr. What is Maistr, of course? There's a Torah obligation in Eretz Yisrael that the produce, the grain, the fruits that grow in a Jewish field or a Jewish farm, a certain percentage of it must be contributed for tzedakah, must be given for charity. So there is around 2% that goes to the kohen, who worked in the Beis HaMikdash and therefore didn't make his own income, which is called truma. There is 10% after that which goes to the levi, who also worked in the Beis HaMikdash, which is called maiserishin. There's another 10% which goes to the poor man, poor people around the land, which is called Miser Ani. That latter Miser is interchangeable some years with another Miser called Miser Sheni, which was the percent that you brought to Yerushalayim, you ate it there, or you exchanged it on money and you brought the money to Yerushalayim and you bought food there. And that's how every Jew had a chance to visit Yerushalayim, to build the economy of Yerushalayim, to be inspired and become part of the life of Yerushalayim, even if you lived in a far, in a farm far away, in the north or in the south or wherever it was. That's Maiser. What's the klal by Maiser? What do I give Maiser from? Do I give Maiser from cheese? Do I give Maiser from meat? Do I give Maiser from chicken? Do I give Maiser from eggs? Klal amru by Kosho oichel. Number one, it has to be human food. Number two, vigidulav Mina'arets. It must grow from the ground. Chayev b'maystress, it's chayev b'maystress. The Mishnah accounts another few details, but this is what we want to discuss. So number one, human food. Human, it's, a, it's, it's what a human can consume. Eggs is human food. Meat is human food, but it doesn't grow from the ground. It comes from an animal. Straw comes from the ground, but it's not human food, it's animal fodder. So, you have to have oichel and gidul of minarets. Salt doesn't grow from the ground. Tevin, straw grows, but it's not human food. So, Esav comes and he's trying. Mazel tov. Oh. Was it something I said? I thought we were just learning a Mishnah. <laughs> The poor Hebrew were trying to have breakfast peacefully. <laughs> okay, now I see everybody who doesn't come to my shiir. be <laughs> B'mezid. Okay, so Nachzul, let's go back. Lushin, love. Lushin, it's fine. So comes Rashi and says Asap is trying to trap his father. He wants to appear to his father as a super religious, a super frum, a super holy child. So he comes to his father and he said, I have a cash. Kate said, Masrin, how do you give Miser from salt? How do you give meiser from straw? I want to also give this to charity. I also want to give this to the koyanim, to spiritual people who serve God, to poor people. How do I do it? This is how he's deceiving his father. This is the Rashi. Seems like an innocent Rashi. Every Jew learning Chumash and Rashi, every child knows this Rashi. Come all of many of the commentators of Rashi and raise a few major questions in Rashi. Number one. If Aesav would actually be the type of child who took salt and took straw and gave miser from it, so you could say, ah, Yitzchak looks at his son and says, Wow, he goes the extra mile. He's a machmir, he's a mahadr. Mahadr min mahadr. And he doesn't do what you have to, he goes beyond the letter of the law, granted. But Aesav, it doesn't say Aesav did that. Aesav is asking him a question. <laughs> How do you give Micef a Melech and How exactly do you do it? This demonstrates, what does it demonstrate? In your opinion, it demonstrates extra-religiosity. It demonstrates that he's more frum, that he's more holy. It demonstrates first and foremost, Amiratzis, Vista Amiratzis, ignorance. Imagine he would come to Yitzchak and say, I have a question. How do you put tzitzis, How do you place tzitzis on the four corners of the tablecloth that we use for Shabbos? Or he would say, How do you put tefillin on your leg? I want to know, how do you put tefillin on the leg? Or another question, How do you, what do you do exactly in order to observe Shabbos on Tuesday? Or to observe Yom Kippur on Chanukah? There's no such a thing. This is Ameratz. This is ignorance. There's no ma'isir for melech. There's no ma'isir at It's not an impressive question. It demonstrates ignorance. What is more, Esav is growing up in Yitzchak Avinu's house. If he's growing up in his house, so he apparently he's watching what he's doing all his years. Yitzchak is not Mafrish ma'isir for melech and because there's no ma'isir for melech and tevin. So how is it that Esav is trying to impress his father by demonstrating absolute ignorance and absolute apathy, not looking at what his father was doing all of these years, and not giving Ma'aseh a Melech Then there's a third question the Mafarshim raised. What type of question is it? Te'eich Ma'asrin as a What does the word Ma'asrin mean? Anybody? What does the word Ma'asrin mean? Ma'aseh. What does Ma'aseh come? Mayesser, 10%. So he asks, how do you give 10% from salt and straw? Just like you give 10% from anything else. You take the salt, you take the straw, you divide it into 10 parts, and you give 10%. If you don't want to give from the actual, you take the value of it, whatever the value is, and you give 10% of it. If it costs $100, you give $10. If it costs $10, you give $1. What question? It's not so complicated. Either in the volume or in the value, b'mida, there's ways of giving maise what's called the volume, the weight, the, 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 the value, the price, whatever it is. You take 10%, you give it. What's fascinating is that Rashi changes the source. Rashi didn't invent this idea. The Chazal articulate this story in the Medrash. That's where Rashi took it from. When you look in the source, it says something different. Take a look, Medrash Tamchumah. Medrash Tanchuma, which is the source of Rashi, says that Esav came to Yitzchak and he said, Melech and Tevin, salt and straw, Mausha What's the halacha? Is it obligated in Meissah? Oh, now I hear a psakasha? Esav, Mamash, I see that Yitzchak has not been giving Meissah for Melech and Tevin, and I would like to know if there's a together of Meissah in salt and in Tevin. And you may even want to become lumbish a little bit, and say that the Chazal say that if somebody, um, if there's like, what are these called, those, those mountains of salt, and you choytzev melech uh, min ha you, what's the word, you, uh, huh? you mine, you mine salt from its source on Shabbos, chayev mishum Koitzer. it can be a form of harvesting, so Esau is asking his father, is there a getter of my It's not ignorance, he's asking a question, and it's obviously he knows that there's a difference between tether Rashi doesn't say that. Rashi says, How do you give myself a on Esau, you don't give myself a melech on just like you don't put on filling on your leg, and you don't celebrate Shabbos on Tuesday, you don't put tzitzit on a tablecloth, you put tzitzit on a beggar on a garment. Medjush Rabbah, also says the story, but again different. Medrash Rabbah says, Eesop came to Yitzchak, How are you mesakin? How do you fix salt? How do you fix straw? Rashi changes it from mesaknen to ma'asrin. Now often in the literature of Shas, mesaknen to be mesakin, produce, means to give miser. That's how you mesakin it. That's how you make a tikkun. That's how you fix it up and you can eat it. Because before that it's tevel. Which means uh, tavloy, it's not good, but it's interesting. In the medrash, if you wish, you can impose an interpretation that's actually very impressive. What Esav is telling Yitzchok is, I have a problem. The reason we're obligated to give ma'isef from our produce, from our grain, from our fruits, etc., is in order to demonstrate la shem loya that the world, our resources, our wealth, our affluence belongs to the rebbeinu shalolim, and therefore we share a certain percentage. With the community, with the poor, with the destitute, with the kayan and with the levim. That's the imposed taxation that represents that you're not just an absolute extreme capitalist and everything is me, me, me. <laughs> How do you create the tikkun in salt? How do you create the tikkun in straw? How do you demonstrate in these foods that la are some lawyer because there's no obligation of my sin. That would be an impressive question. But Rashi changes the words from Medrash Tanchum and from Medrash Rabba. What Rashi says is, How do you give meiser from straw and salt? Where were you all these years? Why weren't you watching your father? And how, why are you thinking that this is going to impress him when really it's going to demonstrate absolute uh, amaratus absolute ignorance? The Mefarshim struggle with this Rashi. Different Mepharshim, different commentators give different perspectives. You have the Gurari, you have the Ma'aral, you have Rebellion Mizrahi, you have the Maskela David, you have the Divrei David of the Taz. Rashi has many, many commentators. And different ones give different perspectives. Some are difficult. But today I want to focus on one hashkafa, one perspective given on this Rashi. It was shared by the Labavachi Rebbe. At a Fabrengen Shabbos, Parshas told us, Toph Lamed Dalet. Shabbos told us, 1973, published in his volumes of Lakuti Sikhis, and Parshas told us, I think volume 25. And he said that this Rashi truly, if you go into it literally word for word, you will see that every single word is consistent with Rashi's view and Rashi's perspective according to Pshuti or Mikra, the literal interpretation of the Pshukman, I want to share with you his perspective here. We ask a question. How can Esav ask such a foolish question? Anybody who knows the basics of Maeser knows you don't give Maeser of straw, you don't give Maeser of salt. But one second. Let's remember Arashi earlier in Parshas Lech Take a look at the next source. Avram Avinu went to war against... The four kings that defeated Zdoim and took all of its members, including his nephew Loit and his family, into captivity. And Avram Avinu was successful. He defeated, he defeated them. He liberated all those who were abducted, who were kidnapped. And Melech Zdoim tells him, he says, "Tenli nefesh kachloch. All the spoil of the war you can take for yourself. Just give me back the captives." Avram Avinu says, "I will take nothing." I will not take a thread. I will not take a shoelace from you. I will take nothing. Then the Torah says Avram meets a very interesting man. His name is Malki Tzedek. He's a king of a place called Sholem. The rabbis and Rashi associate him with Shame, the son of Noach, who was the king of Yerushalayim at the time. And they have a meal together. They eat bread. They feast with wine. And then the Posek says, Lechlecha Perik Yidalit, Posek and then Chav. <um> Malchitzedek, Melech Shalom, tzedek, the king of Shalom, took out bread and wine to celebrate the victory of Avram Avinu, and he's a kohen to the God on high. And Sedek tells Avram, Baruch <speaking in the sky> Blessed is the God of above, who has protected you and delivered your oppressors in your hands. Vayiten meiser mikoil. And he gave him maiser from everything. Who is he gave he? Of course, the Mefarshim argue about that. There's nothing we don't argue about, even when it's not ambiguous, certainly when it's ambiguous. But let's see what Rashi says. Rashi, Vayiten loy Avram. Vayiten refers on Avram. Avram gave Malkit tzedek maiser mikoy He gave him maiser from everything that he owned. Why? Lefisho yakoyev. Of course, when Dashi says he was a Kayan, he doesn't mean literally a Kayan. Aaron HaKayan wasn't born. There were no Kayanim yet at the time. He means he represented the idea, the notion, the status of a Kayan. Somebody who's dedicated his life to spiritual service, dedicated his life to teaching, dedicated his life to the service of God. And therefore, he represented the idea of a Kayan the way it was in the pre Matan Torah days in the world of Avramavinu, you know, the world of monotheism of Amun. So Avramavinu you know, gives a Miser from. Everything. What's this everything, Mikoyah? This is not from his produce. Avram Avinu certainly had produce. But as the Pasek says in Lech Lecha, Avram was a wealthy man. He had soinu, bokor, kesev isov avodim, shvachiz, gmalim. He had all, had all types of things, including gold and silver. Things that are not karka, they're not produce. They're completely mobile. They're not animal. They're not human human food. He gives him maiseh from everything. Gives him myser from everything. So we see that Avraham Avinu, the father of the Jewish people, felt the importance and the obligation on himself to give to the kayin, myser, the kayin, the poor person, the kayin who was may have also been a poor person, myser from everything. In fact, the Possack says in Vayeira, Hashem says, Ki I love Avraham Avinu, why? As Bonov, as Vasham Hashem, lafos. Tzedakah o mishpat. I cherish Avram because he educates his children to follow his way to get to do tzedakah and justice, charity and justice. So if Avram Avinu did this, the uniqueness of Avram Avinu is he shares it with his children. In fact, take a look at his grandchild Yaakov Avinu. There's a pasuk in VaYitzay. Yaakov is traveling next week's parasha. And what does he say? He promises Hashem, "If you're with me." Everything that you give me, everything that you give me, whatever you give me, I will give part of it. from the word Maiser, like the word meiser a part of it, a tenth percent of it, I will give away to you. And in fact... I believe it says "askedim" and say there that this is my sir, not from produce. The chayla Lee is everything. It's meiser and from anything he has, anything that's worth money, including produce, of course, but anything else. In fact, even without this clear Rashi about Avramavinu, Avinu. And others have different interpretations. What "bayiten loy Maisim mikol" means? If it means from the spoil of war, that's apparently what the Rambam believes, according to many mafarshim and and Melachim test. But we're going now the view of Rashi. We're learning a Rashi today. Really, we all understand another basic notion. The Gemara says it. It's a yisoyed among Chazal. The Gemara says it at the end of Masechet Kedushin, the last Mishnah in Dav Mavra Mavinu Kola, Toy, Rikula, Atshaloy, Nitna. Avraham, Yitzchak, and Yaakov observed the whole Torah before it was given. It says in Parshish, told us, Ekev asheshama Avraham, Bekoilev, Ayishman, Mishmarti, Mitzvoy say, say Vissoi say, in the plural, he observed my Torahs, and Chazal say, Even Torah shebaal peh, and even mitzvahs, the Rabbon, and the Gemara says, Even Eruv tafshilin Avraham Avinu observed. Now everybody understands, there's a mitzvah known as Meiser Ksofim. There's Meiser we give from produce in Eretz Yisrael but there's maiseh that we give from money. Money means all revenue, all profits I make, whatever form of profits, whether it's karkah, whether it's metaltolin, whether it's cash, whatever type of revenue I make, there's a mitzvah to give, a portion of it for the poor person. And this is a halacha that is applicable today, as it always was, you have to give, in order to satisfy the needs of the poor people, or minimum 10%, and if you could, which is 20%. What's the source of this mitzvah? Where do we know it from? So let's see, there's a Gemara in kindness, Davtesa ben Aleph, Zagdi Gemara, famous Gemara, quoting Apostolic and Parashas Re'eh, Aser, which we read on Yom Tif, Aser to is called Twice, Miser, you should give Miser from all the grain, of your seat, so the Gemara why aser 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 shvil shetis asher give miser give tzedakah in order to gain wealth and as the Gemara continues, this is the one mitzvah you're allowed to test the rabbainu shalolim. Bechanuni na bli dai God says test me, test me. This is what the Sifri says. The Sifri is the commentary to Sefer Dvarim from the tanoyim and early amirayim Sifri de Bay Rav. Rav Tano Polig, Hach B'Sifri. Actually, the text of Sifri that we have, I don't think it's here, but Taisvis obviously had an older version of Sifri that disappeared over the ages. This happens often, that the Rishonim quote, Madrashim, that they had that we don't have because unfortunately, with all of the Xerus and expulsions, although we have so much, we also have a tremendous amount that has been lost. Of course, the biggest losses: complete volumes of Shas of Talmud Yerushalmi that are completely uh, gone. Says Hachi yisbe aser to aser kol shana. I only know that you're to give Miser from your produce, from your grain. That's what the Mishnah says in Miseris. It has to be Gidul of Menaret. Ribis. What about revenue that you make from Ribis, from interest? Not to a Jew. <laughs> ribis. Revenue you make from Ribis, from interest. Uprakmatya, Business. V'chol sha'ar vachim and any other profit you make. So you made this year... Bezer Hashem, $300,000 profit. Okay, $3 million, I'm sorry. (laughs) Prakmati, Vachosha, I revochem, and all other prophets, minayin, how do you know? Talmud loimar, es koil. Dahavamotzilamemer, es tuwascha. Asr, taasr, es tuwascha. Es tuwasarech. My koil? Whenever the Torah uses an extra word, superfluous, it always wants to add something. All the grain. If it would have said from the grain, we wouldn't know it should be from all the grain. Some of the grain, not. This includes any revenue, any profit you make, you have to give mice. This is known as Maeser Ksaf. Many Rishonim, as it sounds like from here, from Tosvis and from Mardechai and others, believe it's Minat Torah. It's an obligation, minatoira, asa to that I have to give for my, all my prophets. Others argue, the Taz holds in Yerudea, Simon, Shinla, Miralef, and Hilchestrom, that the view of the Beis Yosef is, and others that it's not a chi of minatoira, it's a chi of This pasik is what's called an asmachta, meaning we glean, we use this posik as a source, but it's not mamish, a biblical commandment. The Bach is unique, he says in Yerodeus, Simon Shin Lamed It's not a mitzvah min and it's not even a mitzvah midirabonon. It's a minig, it's a Jewish custom, the Chavis Yoyeh, parenthetically. In his Charles Hatshuvas, I think Simon Reh Chavdalad writes on this Bach, he says, I don't know how we can say this, when there's a Pasek Aser to Aser is Kol, and the Sifri says that this is a clear limud, that you have to give Meiser from everything. So he says, even if it's not Minatoid, it's certainly a chi of Medirabonon. And he finishes the Shuvah. he says, Ha-Bach Nishbar V'Anachnu Nimlotnu. Which is a, 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 a paraphrase of the Pasek in Tehillim, Nishbar the barrel, the pach, the jug broke, and we escaped. So he says he has no way of legitimizing this view of the bach. But this is a big discussion if it's a minatayda or medirabanan, or even less than medirabanan. Regarding our conversation, however, it's very clear. Avraham Avinu observed the whole Torah before it was given. Even a certainly a da'iraisa, even Erev tafsilim, which is not a da'iraisa. So Avraham Avinu gave ma'aser from all revenue, all profits, anything he had whatever he owned, produce, not produce, human food, not human food, not food at all. We have a pasach, and we have a mitzvah, that a Jew gives ma'isah from everything, and Avram educates his children with these, with, the, with these principles, with these precepts as well. If that's the case, our initial premise, that Esav is a vistera he's displaying absolute mockery, of his knowledge, he's displaying absolute ignorance by saying, how do you give meiser from salt and straw? Maybe erroneous. True. If we put it into the specific genre of meiser, which we usually call meiser karkoyis, meiser that you give from produce of the earth, what grows from the earth, you're right, doesn't fit into the category of mesachta to not salt and not straw. But if we look at meiser in the more general idea of meiser, as we use it even today in Jewish slang, did you give meiser yet? as we see this Sifri, Aset we see by Avramavinu, Avinu, Vayitin which is not referring to produce, and we see by Yaakov Avinu, Aser which is not referring only to produce, MaAsrin could include salt and straw? Oy if so, let's now go to the next step. What's Asaph's question? What is Asaph's question? Here might be his question, according to, The Rebbe, the Lubavitcher Rebbe. This is what he says. All foods, all substances in the world have their unique purpose. And as a result of that, their unique value, basically based on supply, demand. Melach and Tevin are unique items. Salt and straw are very unique. Why? Salt on its own independently is quite insignificant. What are you going to do with salt? What are you going to do with an item as salt? However, we all know that what it contributes is very significant. You're making a bar mitzvah. you're making a sheva brachas, you make a huge cholent for all of your guests. One problem. salts. Stuck in salts. And the oylem starts eating the cholent, the oylem starts eating the yoich, the soup, the oylem starts eating the salad. And the plates come back to the kitchen full. Why? Iyayv already lamented about this. Iyayv, Job, and Peireg Vav, His friends come to explain to him why he suffered so much tragedy. They rationalize his pain, and Iyayv responds in the famous words, Achel Tofel, Mibli Melach. You're going to eat bread without salt. Is there taste in the saliva of a healthy man? Somebody's going to eat saliva. And he's telling his friends, this is what your arguments taste like. Your arguments, like tofel mibli melach, like tam birir chalamas. That's what they're like. That's what he says. In other words, the lack of salt can destroy the whole michael. And then, when you ask, what's the value of salt? It depends. If you tell me, What do you want to eat for breakfast today for lunch? I'm not going to tell you, just give me a cup of salt. What, what am I going to pay you for salt? But on the other hand, if you're giving me a beautiful, wonderful salad or a wonderful soup, now the value of the salt in terms of what it contributes to something else, it's very significant. Without it, you could throw it out into the garbage. kentam, kentam. Maybe a smell but not a taste. They say a Maisa by Chasidim they say a very interesting story. There were two students of the Mesuchah Magid. Reb Shlomo of Karlin Alena, Reb Shlomo Kaliner. He was a Talmud of Reb Aaron of Karlin Baron and the Balatanya Reb Shnei Zalman of Liadi Daltereb. Reb Shlomo of Karlin once came to the city of Liogjna which is in Belarus to visit the Balatanya. They knew about it before so the Rebetzin decided to arrange a kapala a beautiful feast, to welcome this great tzaddik to her home. Of course, she had a misharesis, a, a, a maid, who helped, a, a cook, like a chef in the house, who helped out with all the meals and all the feasts. So they got into an argument, who gets the schus to cook for this great meal? The regular chef, the woman who took care of the kitchen, said, it's not fear. I'm always the cook. Now you're going to do it. It's not fear. The Rebotson said, the representative of the Balatanya. Her name was Sterner, Sterner. I want to do it. So they had an argument, so they went for a semi-dinta to her husband the Balatanya. So he said, let's make shara, split up the menu, and you'll do part of it, and you'll do part of it. The So each one did another dish. One thing they didn't discuss is who's gonna put in the salt. So at the end they each decided, I want the schus of putting in the salt. So she put in the salt, and the other lady also put in the salt. <laughs> so now the soup was, Baruch Hashem, very, very gizalt. The meal began. Epshleim was a kadashalian. Sits down, takes a spoon, and starts eating the soup. He takes one gulp of the soup in his mouth, and he tastes what it's like, and he moves it away. The Balatanya wasn't looking at him eat, but he finished his bowl, so he turns around and he sees it wasn't touched. So he says, Rabbi Shloyma, why didn't you eat the soup? So he says, you can't eat it. It's a My question is, how did you eat it? So he told them that when I came to Mizrich, to my Rebbe, the Mizrich Magad, who was the successor and student of the Balsham Tev, the first Shabbos I was there, the Magad of Mizrich was eating kugel. When he finished eating his piece of kugel, he gave me the plate of the kugel, And he said, nah, ask the kugel. And he said, since I tasted that kugel, I lost my taste in any food in Olam So for me, there's absolutely no difference if it's salted or not salted, I didn't taste it. But we all understand that for the ordinary human being, salt is quite valuable. Now let's take straw. A very similar feature exists with straw. Independently... What is the value of straw? Okay, it's animal fodder, but there could be an abundance of it. You can also use it for fuel in a fireplace. As the Mishnah says, Teven lahasaka." You use straw as fuel for a fire. But there, the value um, is is quite, something, but it's insignificant. It's not worth a lot. However, there's another major use of straw, and those in the... The business of construction and bricks know very well this usage of straw, and you don't have to go back already to the beginning of time. The there was a whole drama around this in Parsha Shmoyz. Take a look in Shmoize Pairi a Paribayamaxin Bamba Street of teven. What used to be the system was the Egyptians used to give the Hebrew slaves straw and they would develop, they would form the bricks. How are bricks formed? You take mud. Anybody of you formed bricks ever? Huh? You never did this as leisure? Okay. You take mud, you take mud, but that's not enough. Even if you bake the mud in the oven, it's not going to be a brick. You have to put in straw. A nice amount of straw. And then of course you put it in a mold, so it should be the form that you want to brick it. And then you put it either in the sun, depends where you live, or you bake it in an oven, a kifshon, and you have a wonderful brick with which you could build pissim and ramses, and hopefully more enduring edifices and buildings. That's bricks. So Para used to give the Jews the straw, so they had to make the bricks and build. He says, stop. Let them go search for their own straw. Here you have a whole story in Parshish Shmois. So straw on its own, like salt, not very significant, almost valueless. But when you look at a brick, bricks are expensive. Construction material is expensive. Then an Ada ayoy Here without the straw, it's like the yoych, it's like the soup without the salt. You can't make your brick. Here the value of the straw is exaggerated dramatically. So these are two interesting items. On their own, a minuscule value. But when you look at what they contribute to something outside of themselves, whether it's food, whether it's bread, soup, salad, meat, cholent, whatever it is, or bricks... Here the value is much more dramatic. I have a brick and I don't have straw. What am I ready to pay for the straw? I really need a straw, even if there's no shortage. But its value is far, is far more dramatic. If this is the case, let's take a look now at Rashi. Esau comes to Yitzchak and he asks a question. And his question is, Abba, Tata. I know you give Maiseh from everything. And it's clear. Everything you give 10%. Avram Avinu gave Maiseh. Yaakov is going to give Maiseh. Yitzchak gave Maiseh. We know that Yitzchak gave Maiseh from produce. We're going to learn in Parshish Peldus. But you give Maiseh from everything. How do you give? It's not a question. 10%? 10% of the value... Of the volume, 10% of the value, 10% of the weight. I mentioned before, there's midda, mishkal, and minyan. It's a separate discussion, but one of those three ways. My question is, how do you give mice exactly those words? How do you give mice from salt and straw? 10%? Very well. But 10% of what? How do I look at the value of salt or straw? 10% of what? If I look at the salt independently, it may be 10% of 10 cents. So I give you one penny. But if I look at the value of salt in terms of how it enhances a dish so significantly and dramatically, the price of salt is far more significant. I give myself from that. Maybe then it's a dollar. Maybe it's ten dollars. Maybe I give you ten cents. Maybe I give you a dollar. The same as with straw. <speaking in Hebrew> other things that their chashivus, their significance exists in and of themselves, even if by their contribution to others, to other items, their value becomes more dramatic, but nonetheless it's obvious that you give maizeh from the way they exist on their own. But here with Melech and Tevinet on their own, that's not really their Is What are you going to do with salt? You're going to make it the centerpiece of your meal. What are you are going to design it as a piece of art? What are you going to do with salt is put it into a dish. So maybe here the whole maizeh has to be measured. Not based on what it is today, but what it might be next week when it actually saved your cholent or saved your salad or made you a brick. That's the question. Now take a look in the words of Rashi. Kisavur Aviv, the first words, the, first, the second source. Kisavur Aviv, Rashi is a medaktek. Rashi is a medaktek. What would be the right word here? Asav wants to give maiser from salt and straw, even though you putter in the literal understanding of Rashi before our discussion. So Rashi should have said, Kisavur Aviv, mahadir b'mitzvahs show be Yeah, you say he's a machmir. He goes the extra mile. He's a machmer. Rashi doesn't say medactic b'mitzvus. He's not a machmir. Yitzchak gives maaser from everything, including salt, including straw. He's a medactic bemitzvah. He's a medactic bemitzvah. How do you give mice? Do you give mice 10% of the salt in the straw itself? Or do you give mice of the salt in the straw the way it may contribute significantly to the food or the brick? He's medaktik by Now you can't ask a question of ameratzas. It's not amiratzas. Guta And you can't say, why weren't you watching your father? He was watching his father. But this is not something you can easily discern or observe. Exactly what well was the 10% of the melech in the tavern? You can add even more. By Avram, it says, In other words, the objective here is, I should look at all of my nechosen, all of my property, all of my resources, anything I own, and I'm giving maiser from everything. Mikoila asher loi. If that's the case, I may, in this perspective, Esau says, look at all of my wealth as one entity, and I'm giving maiser mikoila everything. If so... When I'm looking at the salt and the straw, I'm not only going to look at them as individual items. I'm going to look at them vis-a-vis all of my nechasa. When I look at them vis-a-vis everything else, ah, now they're far more significant than they are. And he indeed is trying to impress Esav with, I'm sorry, he's trying to impress Yitzchak with something very significant. The shir now officially crosses borders. From the world of Nigla to the world of Nister, Yes.. <clears throat> you see how good he was? <laughs> He's asking, "What's the Ramose of Aesop, Sagutha Kasha? That's what a good Rami does, that you're making a very good point now. <laughs> That's it. What, what do you think Ramos says? You come in and you say, Ich bin Alin. You come and you ask Alum dishakasha. Maken me the k foul zine of them. But what's your kavana? The is good. I was once teaching Mesach the Psachim. In Yeshiva, so we learned the first Thaiswas. Taisvas says, the Gmishna Basa You have to do the khiskamats. Frek taiswas. Why? The Gemara says, Psachim Davda'lud bidai raisa be bithl ba you don't have to eliminate the chametz. You can just be a vatal chametz. You get up and you declare the chametz is hefker. Completely hefker. Like Rashi holds a little different. It's hefker, that's it. So, toysvist answers, why do you have to be the chametz? Why did the chazal care? Just be, make it hefker. Let all the pizza and the mashke and the bagels and the cake stay, Pesach. Just make it hefker, it's good. And for toysvist, shema Yavai leachlein. You may come to eat it if it's in your house. So the Chazal said, get rid of it, search for the Chametz and eliminate it. Bitl is not enough, beer is enough. So one of those Talmudim is sitting there. He says, I don't understand this Toysmith. Doesn't make sense. I said, why? He says, who in their right mind is going to come to eat Chametz? Who's going to eat Chametz on Pesach? I'm like, you see, you see the Chazal were successful. The fact that you don't understand Toysmith shows that they were successful. Because if chametz would have required only Bitel, so basically 11.59 a.m. every of Pesach, every Jew would get up and in 10 seconds, they would be ready for Pesach. They would declare all the chametz. But now, and everyone is busy a month, a week, whatever it is, unless you're going to a hotel, to, uh, <laughs> but that Taisfuz didn't know about yet. To do it, so the whole idea of chametz became so questionable. Who's going to eat chametz? That's exactly the point. So sometimes, from the question, you could see the success of the story. You're asking a good question, so Esav could have fooled you too. <laughs> it was a, that, That's the word. If he would have been shown as an amaretz, then there's no there's no remoz. The point is, he's asking. Well, and it seems like wow. You know, a boche who asks such a question, it, it demonstrates sensitivity, it demonstrates diktuk, diktuk, but that's like Rashi says, kesover be mitzvah, mamash those words, not machmer, not mahadir, medaktik be Which now brings us to step two. This medrash and Rashi, where Esav asks, keitsad masanas hamelech v'sha Hateva, seems like, okay, we just explained it was a nice question, a question. But, like in every detail in Rashi and every detail in Torah, there are layers and layers of significance and depth. So, let's now go to step two and see this Rashi and this Maimah Hazal from a deeper, more spiritual perspective, which really illuminates a general sugya in the whole parsha's told us. The real big question, of course, for anybody who reads this whole story is. Was Yitzchak so gullible? You all know your children. Can your child really lead you down a deceptive road for 60 years? I mean, you know your own sons and daughters. If your son comes up to you and says, Tata, have a shyle. how do you give Maisef a male and and beautiful, omniscient question. But Yitzchak didn't know his child, he didn't know Asaf. Not only does he get fooled, apparently, he loves him. Yitzchak loves Esau, and he wants to bless him. He doesn't want to bless Yaakov. He wants to bless Esau. What is going on here? If Yitzchak was even an ordinary person, it's very difficult to understand. Usually parents, if they're more or less healthy, balanced, normal, rational people, you know your children. You know them a little better, you know them a lot. I shouldn't say about all parents. Some parents are really clueless about their children. That's true. But because they don't really, because you have to care to know your child. You have to care, you have to be open to it. You have to be sensitive, you have to be attentive. If you're not attentive, you'll never know your child. You're busy projecting yourself rather than who your child is. We spoke last week for the Beis HaLevi, Rabbi Yosheh Bessel explains the difference between Eliezer's words and Avram's words. Do I care about a shidduch for my son or do I care for a shidduch for Yitzchak? But a person like Yitzchak Kavinu was certainly attentive. He couldn't understand Yitzchak. And Rivka, why didn't she communicate with him? Why didn't they have a conversation over dinner? It's not like they didn't have a relationship. It's the only couple that it says after the marriage, veo In Rivka vatilo veo After the wedding. Now to love your kala before the wedding, that everybody does. The chidush is to love them after the wedding. Yo, they asked, once asked a woman, how was your marriage? So she said, before I was married, married, I was incomplete, now I'm married and I'm finished. <laughs> but by Yitzchak it says, <laughs> After, in his commentary, makes a big shturim. He contrasts secular marriages to Jewish marriages. On this posseg, in Parfaits HaYisara, Why couldn't Yitzchak, they had a good relationship. It says in part Pardal, they knew how to laugh together. However, you explain the word Mitzachik, but it's a very interesting term. It doesn't say by others. Rivka couldn't speak to him. So this is a very big issue. When has told us, we're going to explore one perspective, the way it's discussed by Chachmei Anister in Kabbalah and by Chachmei Hasidus. It really brings us to another question. I'm going to do this with Kitzer. Everybody knows the famous Rashi, in the beginning of this it says, by Bekir, by Rifka becomes pregnant, and the children are agitated in her. By Yastroitsu, they quarrel. So what does Rashi say? Everybody knows that Rifka would walk. When she would walk by a shul, whatever a shul meant, a yeshiva, a medrash. Yaakov would kick, gravitating to go out. Whenever she passed a base of a pagan ashram, Esav kicked and gravitated to Avoidazar. This means that Esau was gravitating to Avodah Zarah from where? From when? From the stage when he was in the womb of his mother. I ask you, Rabboisei, a simple question. Who makes the decisions for you when you're in the womb of the mother? Anybody remembers? You think it's choice? You think it's choice? It's not choice. Who does it? Huh? God. Hashem. Or put it in simple terms, your nature. Your genes, your genetic makeup, which God made for you. Your soul, your body. However you want to define it exactly. So why are we blaming Esav? We say Esav Harasha. In the womb of his mother he had no chance already. This is not p'chirah. This is not choice. He didn't choose to gravitate to this This was his makeup, his essential composition, in the womb of his mother. It seems inappropriate. It seems so insensitive. It seems almost cruel to call him a rasha. In the womb of his mother, you're telling me that he's gravitating. The... So as we grow up and we learn this, we take it for granted. Esav is a rasha. Yaakov is a tzaddik. One second, stop. He's. This is a complete setup. He's put into this position. He's the bad guy. Really, what makes you're the bad guy? You make him a bad guy. You did it. He didn't do it. So very strange. Mele, you're telling me at the age of 20, he decided, shine. At the age of 13, shine. This is in the womb of his mother. The most innocent space of the world. The Gemara says, It's the best time of life. You learn the whole Torah. And in that time, Esav was chosen to go to gravitate. What's Pshat? What's Pshat? But here essentially lay the truth about Asaph. The beauty of Asaph and the tragedy of Asaph. And we're going to learn now a few sources in sight, and we will see how they all reflect a very similar idea. Let's start with a shtickle in Tanya Perik Chavzayan. Vizau Shamar HaKosov Aseli Matamim Kasherah Hafti. Yitzchak avinu summons Esav and he says, Make me mat'amim. What's mat'amim? Mat'amim means delicacies like I love. Mat'amim, los rabim. Yitzchak doesn't say, I want one dish. I want mat'amim, delicacies. Shnei minei nachas ruach. There's two types of Pleasure. It says in Zoyer. Says the Tanya. I say, Tamim is not just Yitzchak speaking to his son Esav; it's a metaphor also for the Shchina speaking to her children. Let's take a physical delicacy. Says the Tanya. Probably a culinary expert, a chef would be able to explain this better than I. But let's see what he says. There are two types of wonderful, delicious delicacies. One is you take sweet, delicious, and you make a dish. You make me a wonderful cheesecake. You make me a wonderful babka. You make me a wonderful kokush cake. It's sweet. You use sweet. For those who have a sweet tooth, it's orev, it's masuk. And everyone enjoys it. They say, a gishmak. But there's another type of dish. Those who know how to cook know, they make a sweet dish. They take tarty foods, sharp and edible foods, sour, they're not edible. They're sharp, they're too spicy. But the chef knows how to use them as a right spice and fix them up. They put in the right amount, the right dosage, and the right chemistry and the right dish. And go ah, wow, what a dish! On their own, they're not good. They're not sweet foods. You take black pepper, you take garlic, you take salt, you take onions. You're not going to eat them as a meal. They're not sweet, and you don't put them in a cheesecake either. But everybody knows a good chef knows how to take pepper, knows how to take garlic, knows how to take salt. Melach. And with the right amount, if you put too much, you destroy it completely. The right amount, it has a special, unique flavor, a special taste, a special tainuk, because you converted something tardy and bitter into something that l'hoshibah that brings the salt pleasure. Says Yitzchok, aseli matamin shnei mine nachasruach l'mayla. The Reboi Nishaloyim has two different nachasruach. One is from sweet dishes, and one is from bitter dishes. Everything Hashem does is for Him. And even our Russia for the day of evil. So the literal interpretation is that even our Rasha, one day there will be the day that His Rishis will end. He will come to an end. He touches There are two types of people in this world," is his message. Two types of souls, two types of journeys. The source of it is Arambam. In Shmoy Prokem, the Rambam wrote an introduction to Perkei called Eight Chapters. Shmoy Prokem ram In Perik Vov, the Rambam says, there are two souls. HaChosid HaMe'ula and There's a soul that we would call in English, a goody-goody. Somebody who's born with a natural disposition, gravitating towards the positive, the healthy, the productive. This is a person for whom life, relatively speaking, is a more tranquil journey in a serene world. But then there's another person. Somebody who is a khevoshes yitzra. Everybody knows it with themselves or with their own children. You have that child already from the age of two, already from when he was born or she was born. They knew how to sleep through the night. They did everything in the right time. They ate when you had to eat, walk when you have to walk, talk when you have to talk, sleep when you have to sleep. They grow up. They go through what's called a system. They go through the school. Amachayah. You never hear a complaint, you never hear a problem. Every report card is Aleph Plus, A-A-A-A-A, PTA, the, 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 the teacher just say, Amachayah. Graduates high school, you ship them off to Eretz Yisrael, Alt's beautiful Machas comes back, goes here, a few years later, a Shiddach, wonderful Amachayah. And then you have another child. And already from age two you see Sinish Parshat. At the age of 11, this kid has been in nine yeshivas. He's been around the block. He's nine going on 83. And uh, usually they're very smart, sometimes much smarter than others, sensitive, deep, very, very deep people. But what? The system doesn't contain them. The boxes that we create often don't work for them. There's tremendous creativity. There's tremendous individualism. There's tremendous potency and power. And the Rambam says it's two different types of souls with different journeys. (laughs) What is the purpose of this person? The worst mistake you could make is dismiss this child as less significant, as less valuable, or as nebach, your challenge, or your misery, or your source of agony, your source of tragedy. (laughs) There are two journeys of two souls. One soul's journey is there. the Rambam says, that he or she is the person who is good and grows in goodness and holiness and beauty. But there's another person. And this person is destined to confront darkness and to subdue it and to sublimate it and to deal with it and to find sparks in places that other people are incapable of going. This is a person who has to deal with attention And with creative, vacillating forces and fluctuations in their life that other people may not understand. But this person was given the power of a koivish as yitzra. They need to deal sometimes with a strong Yitzhahara, with deep struggles, confront it, subdue it, sometimes transform it, sometimes not transform it. And sometimes their whole life, they confront certain things and they never make perfect peace with it. Says... Hashem Aseili Matam. And there are two types of delicacies. One is, you give me sweet food. Beautiful. But there's another delicacy. You give me bitter food. Vigam Rosh Ra. How can bitter, tardy food, how can salt become a wonderful sweet food? Not on its own. On its own it's salty. But if you use the salt as an ingredient to spice up a salad... The salad is enhanced significantly by the salt. What does this mean spiritually and psychologically? When you face a struggle, you could look at the struggle in two ways. You could worship the struggle and see it as something self-contained, independent. In other words, I have this struggle, and that's basically what it is. So therefore, one of two things, either I'm destined to be miserable, or I'm destined to succumb to the struggle and follow it, or you could look at it in a much deeper way. You could see the struggle as a shlichus, as a spiritual opportunity, which allows you to serve God, and to embrace your soul and your depth in a unique way. Here is where you take the salt, and you make it part of your avodas Hashem. Now the very bitterness, the very evil, the very darkness, becomes a catalyst, a springboard. It becomes a source of tremendous greatness, of tremendous depth, of tremendous morality, of tremendous majesty. Why? Because you talk the very salt, and you look at it and you say, this is my destiny to take this very challenge. This is the way God wants me to serve Him. To work with it, to confront it, to elevate it, to transform it, to sublimate it, to fight with it. And suddenly, the Russia, the Rishis, becomes Yoim Ra. It becomes, the raw becomes or It's an invitation for depth. It's an invitation for growth. It's an invitation for unprecedented heights. It's not an invitation for misery. It's not an, don't succumb to it. That's a superficial perspective. It's an invitation that this itself becomes a tremendous source of avaydisash. Aseli matamim is two. This is Yaakov and Esau. In Klal Yisrael, this is Yaakov and Esav. Esav in the womb gravitates to Havoy That doesn't make him a Rosh. We often make a terrible mistake when we assume that somebody who struggles with evil is evil. Chalila v'chaz. It's a great educational, pedagogical, and religious mistake. The fact that you struggle with evil doesn't make you evil. In fact, that may be your ultimate spiritual greatness. Because that struggle was not your negative choice, that struggle was God's choice. The fact that Esau in the womb struggles and gravitates to Havai doesn't make him a rasha. In fact, that's his path to tzitkos. That's his only path to tzitkos. He cannot choose not to gravitate to Havai Dezara. The path that God designated for him to reach Hashem, is through gravitating to the Zara and confronting it. Dealing with that's his path to Hashem. In fact, if you're going to tell him you have another path, that's not true. All you're doing is depriving him from his relationship with God because that relationship was not determined by him. That relationship was determined by Hashem. That's what the Rambam says in Shemayinah Prokhe Perek We always have to make a distinction between succumbing to a struggle and the struggle itself. The struggle itself is never evil and never negative. In fact, it may be his or her holiest moment. The Maurya Nayim, the Heleker Yav Nochem writes in Maurya Nayim at the end of the book, in Yuma. It's a fascinating piece. I'm going to say one part. The Gemara says in Yuma Hey, Tahir Tomei Somebody who comes to be cleansed and to cleanse others, they help him from heaven. Somebody who comes to contaminate himself, They open the doors for him. They let you do it. So the Moirinayim gets into a few questions over the end of Gemara. And he explains the Gemara as follows. Somebody who comes to be cleansed, they help him. Somebody who comes to be contaminated. Poishinloi means he must know this is his Pesach for Avodos Hashem. This is his door. When you're struggling with a particular tumor, this is your door to touch God. By dealing with this issue, by confronting this skeleton, by subduing this demon, by fighting this addiction, by transcending this ghost, this is your Pesach. Don't look in the mirror and say, wow, I'm such a loser. I'm so hopeless. I'm so horrible. This is your door to spirituality. You know why? Because if this is what you must deal with, this is the path through which you will find your deepest resources, your deepest koiches, your deepest faculties, your deepest soul. This is what Hashem wanted for you. There's no one delicacy that Judaism offers for God. There's a very different type of matam. There's cheesecake, and there's spicy foods. Which is better? Depends on your taste buds. <laughs> Depends on who you are. Which is sweeter? This Yaakov and this Ace. So the challenge of of was, not in the womb. The womb was his holiness. That was a shlichus. The tragedy of of was, he didn't realize that his struggle with Avodah Zarah was an invitation To connect to Hashem in a deeper way. He understood, if I struggle with this, this is who I am. This is the mistake that so many of us make. If I struggle with something, it means there's nothing but that. This issue is who I am. I define myself by my struggle and I surrender to it. Rather than, don't define yourself by the struggle. You define the struggle. Don't let the struggle define you. I'll say it again. Instead of letting the struggle define you, you define it. You say, this is my opportunity to serve God in the way he wants. I should serve him. I should serve him. You have to serve him differently. Yitzchak Avinu understands Esav. He appreciates Esav. He knows that Esav is not the child who he's supposed to become. But he never forgets Esav's potential. And because he never forgets Esau's potentially as has a special sensitivity to him. And he wants to bless him, hoping that through the brachas, he will be able to help Esau see himself from God's perspective. The challenge of Esau is he never sees himself from Hashem's perspective. He sees himself as an evil person. Look at yourself from Hashem's perspective, and then you'll see that all your struggles are God's invitation for you to become as holy as ever but they're an invitation. Asa doesn't see that. So now, let's see a fascinating interpretation that has been attributed to the Vilna Gaon. Take a look. Says a Pasik in Malachi, this is the Haftoi told us, and it's fascinating that we read this as the Haftoi told us. The Prophet Malachi says in Perik Aleph, Pesach, Beis, and Gimel, I love you, says Hashem. People think that the word "I love you" was invented by some people living in our generation. But the Novi Malachi says, "Ahafti eschem amar Hashem, I love you." Va martin aftonu. Now you're going to tell me, really? Where do we see that you love us? Says Hashem, "Alayoch, Esav leYakov nu, Mashem. Esav is a brother to Yaakov. I love Yaakov. As Esav I despise. I hate Esav. Va'osim es harav Shmama. As nachalosoy is midbar." I place his mountains become, will become desolate. So here there's an interpretation attributed to the Vilna Gaon. And let me tell you the source. It's been quoted frequently. What's the source for this interpretation of the Vilna Gaon? A letter that was written by the first chief rabbi of Eretz by Rabbi Avram Yitzchak Hakoyen Kuk, printed in Igreis Hariyah, Igres Kofyudbez, uqdoi limdivrei Divrei ha-graza. Great are the words of the Vilna Gaon va es esof sonasi es hatofela esof avalikara shurahai ba hadi avon the almegonis vulkano isiponakhir ispnelakim amar isha emes yakov ishtam the vilnagon says look at the words of malachi it doesn't say va oyev yakov va esof sonasi va oyev es yakov va es esof what's the s the S throughout the whole Torah. Whenever it says S, S is tofel. For example, the Gemara says Verachatz es Kol You go to the mikvah. You have to wash your whole flesh in the water. It could have said Verachatz Kol What's S? S adds S Hatafel Even that which is secondary to your flesh, you're here. You're here also has to go into the water. Even one strand of here can't be out of the water. That's S. Kabed Esavicha, who's Esavicha? It adds even that person who's secondary to your father, your older brother, Esimecha, your sister. Barishes brother Lekim Es the veEs the hosts of the heaven, the hosts of the earth, the various planets. VeEs Asav Sanesi, I don't hate Asav. You know what I hate? Es Esav. The toffel to Esav, that which attached itself to Esav, that which Esav made of himself, Esav in his head, Esav in his source, Esav in his essence, he is concealed with the fathers of the world. Meaning, of course, what is he referring to? You remember? Where is Esav's head buried? With Yitzchak. With Yitzchak. Why? The head of Esav represents the source of Esav. The origin of Esav. The essence of Esav. The essence of Esav is as holy as Yitzchak. As holy as Yaakov. In fact, he has a greatness even deeper than Yaakov. That's the head of Esav. The way Hashem sees Esav from the source, from the perspective. The way Esav needed to look at himself was. I'm not a Rasha. I have the potential to be a great Tzaddik. Through a different path. Through koyvish Sitra, yes, I have to confront lots of stuff, and I may have to confront them my whole life. But that doesn't make me a rasha; that makes me a different type of tzaddik. That's the head of Esav. Ve es Esav What I hate about Esav was the tuffle of Esav, that which attached himself to Esav. What Esav made of his struggles, instead of seeing his struggles as an opportunity for unprecedented spiritual growth, he saw his struggles as a license. To become a promiscuous, super, superficial person whose behavior was indeed negative. So Yaakov Isha Emma sees Asa, and what does he say? I see your face, and it looks like the face of God. Really? What is this? Flattery? Khanifa? You look at Asa Varasha, your face looks like God? He says, Yeah. Yaakov Isha Emma says, When I look at your face, your pine, your pnimius, Now I have to say, I looked, where does the Vilna Gaon say this? (laughs) Rav Kuk quotes him. It's been quoted in many svarim. So today it's easy to search. So I couldn't find anywhere in all of the svarim of the Vilna Gaon that he says this. However, I found it, or something very similar in a source, far earlier than the Vilna Gaon. A century, more than a century before the Vilna Gaon, <laughs> Rabenu Menachem Azaria Afanu of Italy, known as the Ramen Panu, one of the Gedolei Hamakabalim, who wrote many svarim on Kabbalah, he has a famous safer called Maimer Hanefesh, and he says in Chelak Vav, listen to his words: Ki <laughs> from the compassion of God on his creatures. Even those who rebel against him, the Torah minimizes their hatred. a The Incredible words. The S. Es that which became attached to Asof, The Tafel, Es Hanitbala Asaph, that which became um, an, adhesi- an, 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 an adhesion to Asof, Like a dibuk that connected himself to Asof, That's what I despise. Asof himself, we all know that the Chazer, Asaph is compared to the Chazer, is called Chazer. Shatachzer li Israel. himself is going to become tired. Esav in his is a beautiful, beautiful child. Complicated child. Uninhibited child. Complex child. Struggling child. Difficult child. Challenging child. But a great child. A great soul. Says Reb Chaim Valoshener. In Ruach Chaim on Yavis. In Yen Oro Yishakov Kovar B'Mairim Yaakov Kamayim What What's Pshadah? The head of Yaakov is buried in the Mayra. In his head, he's connected to holiness, says Reb Chaim this is what Chazal say in Sukkah Dafnun Beis that La'asid Love la, the Koyacharadei are all be slaughtered. What does this mean? Hakavonah kavana Hamolid the parable is Kiroyshelavad Yischari begdusha v'yinifrich loyish talshelematve b'chinasra. His head, his origin, will remain in holiness, and he won't evolve and fall down in negativity. Okay, they had shuvay his battle mashasa b'chetelamatve v'loyishar lamayla Ace of himself can return now. Come back with me to the Rashi. Esau comes to his father and he says, Let's remember what the Tanya said about salt and spices. Salt on its own is bitter. When you contribute it, you put it into a food. It's not bitter anymore. It's a wonderful thing to have salt. It gives the flavor to the entire food. We explained also about straw, that it contributes so much to making Making the, the brick. So here you have two things on their own, they're not very valuable. When you look, however, how they enhance other things, they become very valuable. Comes Asav and he says, Abba, my father. Why do we have to put in the word Abba? Rashi says, Asav is talking to Yitzchak, we know. The first Rashi says, Yodeyat Sayyid, Lotsudalaramus, Vishayallah. He says, hey, what's Abba, father? We know he's talking to his father. That's the whole story here. Rashi says, Abba. There's a very deep remise here because here we can explain this question on two levels. How Esav is in his source and how Esav is in his ultimate manifestation in this world. In other words, we're going to study now Esav on two levels. As great psychoanalysts, we're going to look at Esav from his pristine potential. That Ace of talking, and we're going to listen to Ace of the way he actually manifests himself in this world, and it's not the same Esav. Rasha, the Ace of the head of Ace of the real Ace of, the authentic Ace of the naked, pure Ace of is be'itveh de Yitzchak. It says in Targum Yonissa in New Zealand Vayechi is in the bosom of Yitzchak. And it's a great peller, because the halachim shulchanoruch is, you're not allowed to bury a Russian near at tzaddik. You're not allowed to. In Malachim, there's a story, Elisha Hanavi was buried where? His body was buried with a rosh a Roshim, with a Novi Sheker. And the Pasik says in Melachim, there was a miracle of Tchiyas HaMeseh. That corpse got up, and got buried somewhere else, all so that a Roshim shouldn't be buried near a Tzaddik. There's a whole sugyu and Gemaris, and Hedendath Memzayan on this. And it's and Lachim Shulchanarch. Here, Ad HaYoy Yitzchak is buried near Esau. It's a past. For Elisha, there was Tchiyas HaMeseh. For Yitzchak, there won't be Tchisam esim that he shouldn't be buried near that. The, the Peshat, of course, is. The head of Esav is not a Rosh. The head of Esav belongs to Yitzchak. That's what we're learning here. The S, Asav, Sanesi, The S of Esav I despise. Now you'll ask, it says, That's the difference. By Yaakov, I love not only Yaakov, but even the S of Yaakov. Because Yaakov made sure that his S is connected to his Shairish. By Esav there's a tragic split. So now, what do they say the definition of chutzpah is? You come to your therapist because you have a split personality and you want a group discount. Okay. <laughs> so we're going to give Esav now a good split personality. And when Esav says, ha-melech yeah. So Freud said, Sometimes a cigar is only a cigar. But we know the truth. It's almost never the case. So when Esav says, So when Esav we're gonna hear two of speak. We're gonna hear one ace of speak and we're gonna hear another ace of speak. First, let's listen to the true ultimate of The Aesav who the Ramami Panu says is Asid Here he puts in the word Abba. Abba, my father. Vesatevan. Usually, what is Myser? Myser is the part that we make holy. The ten percent that goes to the Kohen, to the Levi to the Yerushalayim, there's a whole, some level of Kedusha there, different levels, but some level of Kedusha. Salt doesn't have that. Straw doesn't have it. These are more garbage foods. Straw is animal fodder. Melech doesn't grow from the ground, there's no miser. Melech is bitter. Tevin is Michael Behema. Who who does this remind us? This is what they told Esav and Yeshiva. Once once somebody told him, you're salt, you're bitter. Nobody can eat you, nobody can taste you, get out. And somebody else said the Bistabahema. You remember? <laughs> Bistabahema. That's where you are. How many people hear that? <laughs> Bistabahema, Bista Bistachayro. You know they say that there was somebody who needed to rent a house. So he found a house on, in Borough Park on 14th Avenue and there was a condition that the landlord said he doesn't want to have children, no family with children, because he's an, it's an older couple, they go to sleep 8 o'clock, and they don't want, you know, a noise at night. So man said, fine, he signed a lease, he comes in, he was living upstairs, and the landlords were living downstairs. The first night, the guy goes to sleep, it's 8 o'clock at night, he goes to bed, his wife goes to bed, and suddenly, stuff and Kap, they're dancing, there's seven hakafas going on till 3 in the morning they're jumping and jumping couches are moving It's la- so he runs up finally he, cancels, he runs up and he sees 14 children can I in the family has 14 children he looks at the landlord and he says I don't understand why did you deceive me we made a deal no children no kinder he says this is kinder this is chayas he says this is not children this is animals they're not children right so what did they tell Esav? You're a, you're a behema. You have to eat Michael behema. You have to eat food of animals. Teven comes Esav and he says, "Father, nobody understands me, but you tell me. How do you find the holiness and salt? And how do you find the holiness and straw? Es you good. How do I find the holiness?" You know me in my truth. You know who I really am. This is Asaph's subconscious speaking. Or Aesop's super superconscious speaking. Abba! He says, my father! You're my father. I come from you. You're one of the others. Teach me how to make the salt and the straw holy. There's a way to make them holy. You know how you make them holy. You make them holy by realizing that the Michael Behemoth That the animal within me doesn't make me an evil person. The animal within me is part of my spiritual shlichus, part of my sacred mission to use my animal instincts, my animal struggles, my beastly consciousness as a tool, as a path of my avoidance Hashem, whatever that means in my life. Sometimes it means to fight, sometimes it means to subdue, sometimes it means to educate, sometimes it means to refine, sometimes it means to sublimate, sometimes it means simply to say no. In each person's life there are different things, just like with your animal. What do you do with your puppy when anybody has a puppy here? What do you do with your puppy? Sometimes you got to zap it. Sometimes you got to take it for a walk. Sometimes you got to give it a little caress. Sometimes it needs a good discipline. That's what it is. We all have our little puppy and some of us have a German shepherd. Okay. <laughs> the bark is bigger than the bite. Abba, heich ma'asna samal And the truth is, as we explained in Nigla, it's just the same in Nister. What's the question? Is salt valuable the way it is on its own, or the way you look how it contributes to something else? That's the story of Esau. If you look on Esau on his own, you look at his struggles, you can dismiss him as a rasha. But if you understand that the salt, the spices, the straw, really has a tremendous power to give flavor and enhance and bring so much positivity to the world, you look at it differently. You could look at the very evil, at the very struggle as an opportunity for tremendous growth, for tremendous goodness, if you know how to channel it, how to harness it, how to deal with it. Now let's look at the question from Esav here below. of below. What does Esav say? Esav says, Ha'ech ma'asnes of wants to make salt and straw holy on their own. Esav wants to give ma'asir from the straw of life. From the salt of life. In other words, he wants to attribute spiritual worth to animal fodder. Instead of exploiting the material to serve the spiritual, he wishes to invest the material with independent significance and value of its own. And this is the tragedy of Esau. Instead of realizing that the point of the melech and the tevin is to serve the spiritual to become an opportunity, a catalyst to avoid Hashem. He wants to give meiser for melech and Tevan. He sanctifies the struggle itself. Because I struggle with this, this is my path. And here, from a potential tzaddik, he falls down. He separates his head, his great calling, his great promise, from the way he actually lives his life. Which in our life would mean, I struggle with something, And instead of realizing that this is Paischenloi, this is my path for growth, I give up, I say this is who I am, and this is my lifestyle, and I surrender to the craving, to the addiction, to the disposition, to the instinct. It doesn't mean it's not a difficult choice, it's a very difficult choice. But Esav gives Kedusha itself to the Melech and the Tevin. You don't give Meisav a Melech and Tevin. This is ace below speaking. So we have this conversation on two different levels and both are true simultaneously. There's the ace of above and there's the ace of below. There's the beautiful ace the majestic ace and there's the tragic ace. Aesav. There's ace head and there's ace body. Now, let's conclude and see full circle when we examine two psukim and Tanakh. Says the psuk the third to the last source Says the pasuk in perik Aleph pasuk etches v'hoya beis Yaakov Eish u'beis Yosef Lohava u'beis Esav Lakash. The house of Yaakov will be fire. The house of Yosef will be Lohava. Will be a uh, a flame. The house of Esav will become kash straw. Ah, oh, kash and teven people usually interchange as the same thing. Straw. Ah. Oh. So, Esav is the straw. Esav wants to give meister to Tevin, and he becomes Lakash. But wait, it's not so simple. Comes <speaking> Toisvus in Baba Metzia, Davkuv Gimulam of the first Toisvus in Parikamikabel. Zok Toisvus, but Tevun or bekash, Listen to Toisvus. Niktzatzim The part that gets cut, the shaft that gets cut with the stalk of wheat, is called Tevin. Stubble. You see, ishtubla is stubble. The part that remains on the ground, it doesn't get harvested with the, with the grain itself, with the stalk, is called kash. Rifka tells, Rivka tells Eliezer, come to our house. We have teven, straw, and we have plenty of food for your camels. Teven is that which gets harvested, and you're going to feed to your animals. That which remains on the ground, you don't give to the animal to eat. It's too rough, even for animals. Teven is animal fodder. Kash is not animal fodder. Oksiv nami says, "Le koshish kasle teven. Shaw yemlak tim besodes hakash. Hadnish sham takhasat teven ki ateven kvar hay khilcho ha baylamishle base. The teven you take together with the stalks of wheat, with the kernels to your home cuz the kernels you're going to feed to the people and the the teven you're going to feed to the animals. The kash is that which remains in the karka." and therefore it's not even edible, it's too rough even for animals, for most animals. And that's what the Jews had to deal with. They had to look, lakash kash leteven. They had to look for the kash in order to use that for the bricks, because the teven was already gone. Esav asks, keitzad ma'ashrin es ve'es ha The Pasek says, be'is esav Lakash. Here we have the great distinction. The kash... Is the psoilus, it's the, uh, the residue of the animal fodder that can't even be used for animal food. The teven is not the wheat itself, it's not the kernels, but it can be used for animal fodder. So both words are translated as straw, kasha straw, teven straw. But teven is the shaft that is harvested together with the grain and is therefore subsequently fed to your livestock, to your animals. Kash is the stubble, as Chesvah says, the stubble that remains in the field, and is too coarse even for animal consumption. Now we'll see the diuk, the difference in the psuk. Esav was initially entrusted with what? With Teven. Esav had a strong animal soul, very strong animal soul. In the womb, he gravitated to pagan idolatry. He was entrusted with the straw that is symbiotically related to the grain. It gets harvested with the grain. In other words, the straw that feeds the animal that serves man. This was what we entrusted Esau. Take your teven, take your teven, and turn it into levanim, Turn it into bricks that will become a diras adam, will become a home for a human being. Vegam rasha take your soul, take your teven, take your straw, and turn it into a catalyst and a springboard for a tremendous destiny in serving God in this world. But Esau then decided to reverse the relationship. Meaning, to make the straw the focus, to make the straw the object of life. I want the heaven itself to be holy. I want my behem itself to be the aim, the goal, the mission statement, the objective. It's not here to transform, to transcend, to subdue, to elevate. My animal, my beast itself becomes holy. I have no higher focus, I have no higher mission. What happened? His tevin turned into kash. His tevin turned into kash, which is a hollow husk depleted of all nutritive potential. Because that's what happens when I use my skeletons, my tithus as an opportunity for this Hashem, my tithe has become an instrument for Kedusha. They have so much depth. They have so much romance. They have so much majesty because they're fueling my relationship with my deepest soul. But when I worship them, I actually turn them into a hollow husk because now it serves nothing but its superficial instincts and ultimately it becomes disappointed with itself because it's not fulfilling its purpose. Because the purpose of asaf is also just like Yaakov, to bring light into the world, not to bring darkness into the world. And whenever you deplete something from its potential, ultimately it itself feels empty. But now take a look at the last possek. Yeshayo, perik Samache possek, chavbeiz. The days of Mashiach, zeivut Yiru ke'echad. The wolf and the lamb will shepherd together. The lion as the ox will eat straw in the world of Mashiach such empty materialism will cease to be the cash of Esau will be completely consumed by the spiritual life The the cash will be depleted Heaven on the other hand, will become the staple of the animal kingdom, and that's why the lion and the ox shall eat straw. Ari, Kabaka, Yoichal, because then will be the ultimate sublimation of Esav with the two brothers become one, only the S. Esav Sanasi, but the head of Esav, will become completely united with Yaakov. Have a wonderful, wonderful week.